It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whatever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Looking for a great simulation game? Look no further than Title Bout. Check out our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. That's right. If you're looking for the spice to add to anything, I put it on pizza, on burgers, on chicken, everything. Kenny Bear's Barbecue Rub is where you go. Plus, they got some other stuff there, like their all-purpose seasoned salt. And my new favorite, uh, their Cajun Blackened Season. Check it out, www.southerngourmetspice.com. Order a bottle or 10 today, and make sure you tell them Billy C. sent you. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino. From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Looking to get a signed copy? No problem. Just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Get ready for our uh, Canelo Alvarez, Billy Saunders post-fight show. Uh, Right now, we're going to give you some post-fight thoughts. I'm going to have my man Dax Khan and, of course, uh, Alex Papali join us a little bit later. But uh, in case you missed it, uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, picked up the uh, next-to-last super middleweight world title by defeating uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Officially, um, he won by eighth-round TKO, which is kind of surprising because a couple of weeks ago, um, we we were talking about this, and I said that if the fight doesn't start, if the round doesn't start, they give it to the uh, you know TKO in the previous round, and I was voted down. Uh, Dax said, no, you're wrong. Alex said, no, you're wrong. Uh, we had listeners telling me I'm wrong. No, it's the next round. Um, I always thought until the start of the, the round, that break period in between, um, I always thought it was a continuation of the round that just ended, theoretically, by record. Well, it happened last night. Uh, he's being credited with an eighth-round TKO. Uh, the eighth round was completed, and uh, Billy Joe Saunders couldn't make the ninth round. He quit on his stool. Um, there's been reports he broke his orbital bone, uh, broke an eye socket, cheekbone, ripped retina. I mean, everything you could have heard. Uh, is rumored around. I have not heard of any definitive uh, answer as of now that I'm doing the show. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Canelo Alvarez improves to 56 wins, one loss, two draws, 38 of his wins coming by knockout. Um, 59 pro fights for a guy that's 30 years old. That, that's like throwback. Billy Joe Saunders loses for the first time in his career. 30 wins, one loss, 14 of his wins coming by knockout. How was the fight? Well, I thought the fight was extremely entertaining, to tell you the truth. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
I thought that uh, Billy Joe Saunders was was coming on until that eighth round. I mean, it seemed like the sixth and seventh round were just, you know, Canelo Alvarez was going through the motions, maybe thinking of something else. I don't know. Uh, maybe what the next run of sponsors are going to be. I mean, his trunks look like a NASCAR. But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that the eighth round, um, you know, Canelo came on and just manhandled uh, Saunders. Uh, got the crowd into it, just just seemed to, you know, rejuvenate. Um, and he hurt him. He hurt Saunders big time. Uh, we saw the eye uh, basically uh, close shut before our eyes. Uh, and in between rounds, uh, Saunders uh, uh, said, I can't, I can't, I can't continue. Um, you know, Saunders was fighting a good fight. His hand speed seemed to be uh, giving uh, Canelo some trouble um, early in the fight. Uh, I thought that Canelo did win some of the rounds early on, but I, I didn't think it was a layup yet. And based on the performance that Canelo made uh, during the, the sixth and seventh rounds, I thought maybe Saunders was uh, gaining momentum. All of that changed in the eighth, and uh, Canelo proves uh, once again why he should be uh, pound for pound, um, you know, uh, uh, number one, I mean, to be honest with you. A um, couple other observations, 70,000, 73,000, whatever it was, um, you know, um, live gate. How many were wearing masks? Not that I, I personally, I think the, the whole fear uh, of the mask thing is, is uh, out of hand. Uh, everybody running and hiding. Let's go run and hide. But I found it interesting that Texas, um, you know, 70-something thousand people, very few had masks on, at least, let's just say the ones that the camera fell on, you know. Um, the fight, I thought, like I said, was uh, entertaining. Uh, just FYI, 78-74 um, uh, on two scorecards, 77-75 on the third. Um, at the time of the stoppage, all in favor of Canelo. I could have seen that fight a little closer, to tell you the truth. Um you know, that first round, I thought, was clearly Saunders. And some of the other ones that you were uh, looking, you know, watching the fight, you, you could it could have gone either way, depending upon how you're scoring. You know, I, I don't like the punch stats. Um, and interesting enough, I, I have some reasons why. When you look at the punch stats that were posted, um, you know, total punches landed. Uh, Saunders had 60, uh, him throwing 284 with a uh, landing percentage of 21%. Alvarez, on the other hand, threw uh, substantially less, 206, but landed uh, more at 73 with a 35% uh, uh, ratio, land uh, thrown versus landed. Um, here's the interesting fact, though. If you take those numbers, now, granted, I wasn't counting punches. These are what have been posted. If you take those numbers and divide by eight, just for argument's sake, uh, Saunders would have averaged 35.5 punches thrown during each round and um, Canelo 25.75. So think about that for a minute because an average is what you would you know get dividing it by eight. So you could have a round or two where there wasn't that many punches thrown um, a la round one. Um, and then you would think, okay, well, there was some other rounds where there were more than 35.5 punches thrown on Saunders' case. I don't think that's accurate. 
I, I don't think that Billy Joe Saunders threw uh, 35.5 punches per round. I, I don't think there was rounds where he threw 70, you know, and, and that's not the jabs because the jabs fall in uh, under he threw 168 total. Uh, I didn't do the uh, math on that one um, because he clearly was, was landing the jabs, um, even though it was slightly uh, he was landing 18% according to punch stats, and uh, Canelo was landing 16. Um, you know, again, power punches thrown, 116 for Saunders, 110 for Alvarez. This was the difference in the fight. Um, 53% of Alvarez's punches, which totaled 58 uh, hard punches, were, were landed, his power shots, versus Billy Joe Saunders only... Uh, uh, landing 30, which was 26%. But again, if you do the average, are you telling me that Saunders landed 14.5 power punches per round and Canelo landed 13.75? Even Canelo, 13.75 um, per round? Uh, there were, I, I just, you know, when I start thinking about the fight, uh, you know, I wasn't counting punches, but I look at these numbers and I say to myself, no, man, this is why... I don't believe in the punch stats. I mean, I can, you know, talk about it now, but um, I just don't believe uh, that the punch stats are, are as accurate as, as people act like they are. Uh, all in all, the fight was uh, entertaining. I think Canelo has separated himself from the rest of the pack, to be honest with you, in terms of uh, professional fighters, because uh, who, who's, who's better than Canelo, um, pound for pound? I mean, really. Uh, you know, he, he draws, he's a draw, he's exciting, um, he's always in shape, he challenges himself. Uh, there was a time when I wasn't a big fan of Canelo, and that's specifically around the Triple G, um, you know, BS that went on with that. Uh, I thought that it was very un-Canelo-like, uh, but he's, uh, time heals everything, and he's healed my thoughts because uh, I think Canelo uh, is the best out there, and I, I don't think there's... Uh, you know, anyone that comes close, you know, with with all of his natural ability. And I'm not just talking about in the ring. You know, yeah, you know, he can fight. Uh, but uh, he's got draw. He's a drawing uh, card. So he, he's good for the sport. One other thing I want to notice, I, want, I noticed about Canelo that I want to bring out is when you watch that fight against Saunders, you know, Saunders clearly was, was landing the jabs, and he was he's a slick fighter. I wish he would have stayed to his game plan, kept the movement up. Maybe the fight goes longer. Um, but there were times when Canelo demonstrated some defensive skill sets that y you may not notice. And if you go back and watch the fight, specifically the second round, um, there was a time when Canelo got right in the doghouse of Saunders in between Saunders unleashing an attack with jabs and, and following with a couple of lefts. Um, Canelo was right in his chest and he was basically avoiding all those punches, got in close and landed substantial body work. And he repeated this throughout the fight, but just not as noticeable as it was in the second round. And all the time his head was moving. Saunders was not connecting any punches. And you would think, you know, that when you talk to trainers and everything, they're always saying, oh, you know, use your reach, use your height, you know, use the jab as your, as your advantage, you know, stay back a little bit, you know, keep, keep that range. You always hear them talking about range. 
Well, Canelo was able to get past that range, um, and uh, was uh, was pleasurable to see. Uh, co-main event, um, uh, Edwin Soto uh, improved to 19 and one. Uh, with uh, 12 of his wins coming by knockout when he stopped uh, former champ uh, Katsunori Takeyama in the ninth round. Uh, Yakunama jocks to uh, 32 wins, 9 losses, 12 coming by knockout. And uh, uh, Elwin Soto retains his WBO uh, junior flyweight title. That was an entertaining fight. Um, some other things I'll just point out real quick, some other news, and we'll be getting the thoughts on all of this stuff from uh, Dax and Alex um, was uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, um, on Thursday leading up to this fight against Saunders had mentioned that he is open to a trilogy with uh, with Triple G, except it would have to be at uh, uh, super middleweight. Um, you know, he's all about the money and he's not afraid of anybody, Canelo. You know, I, I think this. I know we talked a little about it last week, but I, I think this fight's lost its its mojo. I guess I, I don't know. I you know the truth of the matter is is regardless of all the talk. If you recall, one of the comments out of Floyd Mayweather's camp uh, during the time when everybody was clamoring for a Mayweather Triple G fight was how big Triple G was. Big, Triple G is too big, too big, too big. The truth of the matter is, he's not too big. Yeah, he fights at 160, but he's not a huge 160. Um, 168 for Triple G. I think Canelo will be a monster compared to him. We don't need to see this fight. Um, it it ran out of time. Uh, we should have seen it right away, the third fight. Uh, we all know how we feel about the first two. Um, but uh, Canelo has gone in a different direction. His direction is upward. Uh, Triple G hasn't fought. Uh, we don't need to see this fight, uh, to be honest with you. Some other news outside of Canelo. Um, the grand jury indicted uh, Felix Verdejo in the killing of, uh, uh, of, the, of the pregnant girl. Um, you know, uh, Ms. Rodriguez, Keisha Rodriguez is, is the poor woman. Um, you know, if you heard this story, um, it's just, it's horrific. Um, Verdejo is potentially uh, facing a death penalty for this crime. Um, it, it, he basically, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's admitted, but they had enough uh, evidence to uh, prove um, in order to at least arrest him and hold him without bail. He's accused of uh, punching Ms. Rodriguez in the face, uh, then injecting her with uh, some kind of substance with a syringe, uh, then tied her arms and feet with wire tied a heavy cement block to her and threw her off her bridge uh, and then fired shots into her. Um, reportedly, she was pregnant with uh, Verdejo's kid. Uh, so we'll, uh, horrific, horrific. Um, it's, too, it's, it's too bad for all parties. Uh, some other news that's not horrific and something I, I, I agree with and support. Florida had made it official. They're not testing uh, uh, boxers or MMA fighters for uh, marijuana. Um, prior to that, you could have tested uh, positive for, for marijuana after a fight, have your uh, win overturned, and um, now they're not even testing for it. They finally realized that it's not a performance-enhancing drug when it comes to uh, boxing. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, anybody that's going to uh, smoke marijuana or eat it or whatever they do uh, is uh, 
definitely not going to have a, a, an edge uh, over somebody in, in the ring. Uh, maybe after uh, training, uh, maybe, uh, you know, after the fight, I don't know, maybe maybe one night during training, I, I don't know. But, uh, but it isn't going to help him during a fight. And I think that uh, it was a smart move uh, on uh, Florida's part. We'll see how many other uh, commissions uh, join the, the reindeer games with that. But uh, anyway, we're going to get some thoughts from my man Dax Khan. And uh, before I get him on air, don't forget, uh, get yourself uh, a bottle of this stuff, Uh, Kenny Bear's Barbecue Rub. Uh, And don't forget my uh, new favorite is the uh, Cajun uh, Blackened Season, which is uh, great stuff. And, of course, the all-purpose salt. Just visit southerngourmetspice.com, southerngourmet.com spice.com and tell him Billy C. sent you. Joining me right now is my man Dax Khan. Good morning Dax. Oh well Dax is still plugging up here. I don't have his sound yet uh, so we'll wait uh, till he uh, uh, gets that. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah we hear you now brother. Alright yeah I'm trying to use this Bluetooth thing and uh, my iPhones are a piece of shit. Yeah. They, they piss me off. Um, so uh, no, no problem. So uh, what did you think? Dude, tell me you're you're back in your favorite hotel. Uh, yeah, I am, and I was on my way to the fight when it happened. Oh, that's 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 terrible. I, I didn't realize. Uh, anyway, I'm glad you can still join us here. But uh, um, what was your thoughts on the fight? Did you get to see it? Yeah, of course. You know, I watch it on my on my iPad, and you know what can. We knew, I knew that Canelo was going to win. I thought that Saunders was going to really confuse him for the first maybe four or five rounds. And then um, Canelo was going to have to uh, really adjust. But honestly, despite Chris Mannix, who already had early in the third round when they asked his score, he had Billy, uh, Billy Joe Saunders winning by knockout at 30 seconds of the second round. And I think um, Todd Grisham had him up. 198 to 2 in the fifth. This really wasn't even competition for Canelo, and Canelo has just reached that level. Yeah, Billy Joe Saunders was moving, he was jabbing, but really, they weren't effective. He wasn't out boxing Canelo at any point in time. Anybody who says differently, you know, that, that everybody is entitled to their opinion. But, you know, um, Billy Joe Saunders, for a guy that tries to imitate Tyson Fury a lot, Tyson Fury. It actually follows through with the claims that he makes. You know, Saunders really bashed Callum Smith on how he fought the wrong type of fight. He wasn't prepared. I'm not Callum Smith. And all the different things that he was going to do. And what happened? He, he ended up, you know, quitting in the corner. At well, least Callum Smith stayed on his feet and took the beating. Billy Joe Saunders quit. Well, you know, it, it's funny about the, the quitting on his stool. I mean, I'm not going to question the, the injury or anything like that, but um, with the things he was saying prior to the fight, Dax, um, we, we just uh, we just lost Dax. Dax is uh, uh, not um, uh, at his normal place, so uh, obviously we're, we're having some trouble uh, connecting with him, and I apologize for that. But um, it was ironic about the stoppage, um, or the, the quitting on the stool, however you want to look at it. Um, because leading up to the fight, Billy Joe Saunders was making statements that, uh, um, you know, he, he was uh, going to die in the ring uh, before he 
um, you know, before he would quit or, uh, you know, he's going to the David versus Goliath. I mean, all these these uh, uh, comments that Billy Joe Saunders made uh, and then it ended uh, the way it did. But uh, are you there, Dax? Yeah, yeah, I am. I uh, am. Yeah, I yeah. Am. So, so I, what I was saying was it's kind of ironic uh, because Billy Joe Saunders was making such big statements about how important this fight was. He was ready to, to make a deal with the devil to trade his life away to win the fight, and he quits on his stool. What's your thoughts? Yeah, and, and like I was uh, saying before I started having problems with my Bluetooth here, that for all the talk and all the hype that he tried to, imper- you know, that he tried to be just like Tyson Fury, who carries out, these game plans and follows through with the thing he says. Billy Joe Saunders, after all that stuff he said about Callum Smith, and, you know, he was so harsh on Callum Smith, literally insulting Callum Smith, um, saying how Callum Smith was afraid of Canelo. And and what happens? You know, he, he quits in the corner. And Billy Joe Saunders, outside of that jab, he had nothing else. And if you go back and you watch that fight, the first time Canelo, and they were wide body shots. It's not even like Canelo sat down on him, but he was getting around that that um that right elbow of Billy Joe Saunders. And the first time that one landed clean, all of a sudden you seen in the face, Billy Joe Saunders just didn't want any more of it. That one shot, that straight that straight right hand is when when he landed that, uh, I forget what round it was, but it was a straight, hard, short punch landed just square on uh, Billy Joe Saunders' face. And you're right, it, it did seem like his whole uh, his whole thought process changed uh, after that fight, but I did think his game plan after that punch. I did think his game plan was was actually actually a good one if he was able to keep it up, Dax, because it did seem that Canelo, um, you know, uh, at times was was didn't have an answer for the jab and and the hand speed. I mean, he subsequently moved in and worked the body, like you suggest, of course, and that's how he won the fight. I think. Uh, but uh, but it does seem like you can score on Canelo if you can move and, and be accurate. What do you think? If you go back and look at it, and, and, and if you go follow our, go back uh, when you get a chance to look at our Twitter timeline, I had put out there, I said, Canelo seems to learn from every fight. Because that first round, if you go and you look, what happened was is Canelo was actually cutting off the ring. Bill Joe Saunders... He was confused. He didn't understand how come Canelo was cutting off the ring on him. Billy Joe Saunders wanted to pull the Dave, uh, what he did in the David Lemieux fight. And when Canelo the first time, and it wasn't really, you know, again, because it was such a wide shot that got behind that right elbow of Billy Joe Saunders. When Billy Joe Saunders realized that Canelo can walk him down and corner him and land on him, this was not David Lemieux. And as um, Canelo landed those hard shots, and the, the, the broadcast team talking about, oh, Canelo missing uh, from the wide. I was like, personally, the way it looked to me was Canelo was throwing those uppercuts. He was baiting Billy Joe Saunders into thinking that Billy, uh, making Billy Joe Saunders believe that he was going to be able to clown Canelo, which Billy Joe Saunders, if you notice, anytime he goes in there against somebody who's um, an inferior fighter, you know, he goes in there, he shows off, he's cocky, you know, he likes to try and embarrass his opponents, and Canelo's just not one of those guys. I noticed at the way at the stare down, if you notice that, yeah, you can always pretty much tell Bill right or wrong how the night is going to go at the stare down. 
I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, the stare downs, I guess if you can get a legit, uh, but generally to me, it's it's all fluff. Um, I, I think the fighters that uh, just don't do anything different, uh, like a Canelo, I, I, I believe them more than than uh, some of the other stuff. But Yeah, I, but, but like but Saunders, Saunders is like, you know, they stood there, they were, sta- they were standing face to face. A lot of people like to think, oh, well, the first one that turns away broke in their confidence. It wasn't. You know, they both um, look to be very confident. and But then all of a sudden, Billy Joe Saunders, when they started, you know, stepping away from each other, you know, all of a sudden he had to put his finger up and he had to start some antics. And, all can, you know, he didn't give him the middle finger. He just put it up, you know, as if I'm number one. And Canelo just slightly shook his head and said no. He wasn't even bothered. It was just, you know, it was kind of like a message on, kids, you're not even in my league. You don't even belong in the ring with me, and you're going to find out you don't belong in the ring with me. And Billy Joe Saunders, at that point in time, in my opinion, is when he had to start building up his own confidence. All of a sudden, all this talk and all this confidence he had leading up to the fight suddenly kind of vanished from him. Dax, I, I, I know you, you obviously have some other priorities right now, but I want to get one last thought um, from you. Round eight. Round eight obviously was, uh, you know, Canelo's round was the end of the fight. Um, what, in your words, what what took place? Because to me, it seemed like Canelo just that was it. He got up off that stool that started around and was like, "This is my round. This is when I change a fight." He gets the crowd into it, and he just seemed like he was a different guy. What what's your thoughts? Was was it part of the game plan? Did he just wake up? Did he get rejuvenated? Was it his official second wind? I mean, he never seemed tired. I mean, explain that round to me. That is what he has become. If you watch the Danny Jacobs fight, if you watch the Kovalev fight, if you remember in the Kovalev fight, at one point in time, Eddie Reynoso says to him, don't worry about it, it's going to happen. Because Canelo actually says to Eddie Reynoso, you know, um, how come, you know, when should I go for the knockout? He's like, you know, just be patient. Don't worry about it. It's going to happen. And Canelo has developed this ultra confidence in himself where he knows eventually when it comes down to it, whether or not you want to trade in the middle of the ring, I'm going to get the better of you. You're not going to knock me down. You're not going to knock me out. He knows how good his chin is. He knows how good his defense is. He has that as we spoke about many times, he has that subtle defense. You know, it's not really too slick. He rolls with the punches. Something always comes right back. He cuts off the ring greatly. Uh, you know, he um, if he gets you on the ropes, he punishes the body. He just really reached a new level. And as much as it might make fans mad, in another 10 fights, if Canelo continues this type of competition, I have to say he will be the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. He's, he's on his way. Dax... I hope uh, I'll talk to you later, but I hope everything uh, is, is going well, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, brother. All right, yeah, I'll give you a call this afternoon. All right, sounds good. Um, All right. That's my man Dax Khan uh, giving us his thoughts uh, from the road. Let's just say he's uh, on the road today. Um, anyway, interesting stuff. Another interesting uh, thing, I, an, an observation. I want to call it an observation. Uh, Dax mentioned uh, Tyson Fury. Um, Tyson Fury was ringside. Um, I don't know if the, the girl he was with was a friend or whatever, but whew, wow, wow. 
Um, but uh, he looked good. You remember all the, the the rumors that he was out not training and and drinking beer and all that crap. He didn't look like at ringside. He looked like he was in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, just FYI, just just another little little old observation I had. Uh, speaking of uh, making an observation, uh, don't forget to get a copy of my book uh, right now. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. You can get it. Just go to Amazon.com. It's simple. Tom Molino from Bondage, the baddest man on the planet. Uh, joining us right now is my man, uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing good. Uh, before we get into Canelo, what, what's your thoughts on Florida? No longer testing uh, combat fighters, MMA, boxing for, uh, for marijuana. I like it. I, I might have to um, start my career down there. That's the thing. Um, you know, I mean, but, but it doesn't, it make sense. I mean, all kidding aside, I mean, um, you know, a a fighter, all these fighters that have, you know, gotten results reversed or, or, you know, not have the fight on their record at all, have it a no contest or even reversed to a loss, um, because they tested positive, uh, for, for marijuana. I mean, how could anybody think that that's going to help your performance in the ring i mean it may make you fool around more it may make you you know uh, not wake up but but in, in, enhance your performance I, I just i don't see it exactly i mean it just it, it's one of those um substances that yeah it why was it ever on the list in the um, couch somebody told me that once in the couch yes. but uh but that's any, not- <laughs> anyway anyway uh canelo alvarez Stop Saunders in eight. It's officially an eighth round TKO. Didn't we have this conversation? Didn't you and and Dax and some listeners all tell me I was wrong? And I had to concede and say, yes, you guys, I guess you're right. But I always thought that the round didn't end. The, the, it was the time in between was actually the continuation of the previous round, not the beginning round. And I think it was proven, at least in this case last night, that I might have been correct. That's right. You know, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember really arguing about it. But I do. Oh remember. yeah, you were. You didn't talk to me for a whole week. We didn't even do a show. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It was. You. You, you said I was dead to you. I mean, you know, I had to patch things up, man. Yeah. No, you were upset. I cast you out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is one of those things because, and I guess maybe the logic is that. Eight rounds were completed. The ninth round did not start, so you you just consider TKO because it, it usually I don't know. Usually you do see like TKO after eight, but if you don't, if there if nobody's if like they're not being that specific in what happened, you might just see TKO eight. Um, I I think I, I guess. Well, now now in the digital age, they they could be much more descriptive. They could say. You know, on the in the pure record book, instead of just having win TKO eight, they could have win TKO in between rounds eight and nine due to a p- potential broken audible bone or cheekbone or just a flat out I quit uh, victory for um, Canelo. I mean, you know, uh, we could go that yeah, far. I, that was the thing that um, it was sort of interesting because it was. We were sort of bookended by two. Well, the first one, there was no doubt, Nagy Aguilera was faking. 
Um, and I shouldn't say no doubt. I'm not in his body. But that punch did not land to the back of the head. It brushed over uh, his neck. And the drama, did you see him on the ground? He was acting like the doctor couldn't even touch the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Which fight? Which fight? That was the first one, the uh, the one that it opened with, the uh, the heavyweight uh, fight with um, Nagy Aguilera was oh boy I'm completely forgetting who I didn't was. even I didn't even watch it I didn't even uh, watch yeah. it oh you the replay was unbelievable um, it was so clearly clear he was acting um, and it was interesting because then you know there was uh, that same specter was raised with the uh, with the main event however I don't think B J Saunders was acting at all I think his face was broken. And I think the other thing about it was that we kept talking, you know, that was one of the things going in. Roy Jones, I think, put a good explanation about this. You know, when a guy's unbeaten, you, you sort of have to teach him how to lose. And you don't know how that's going to go. Um, now we see. Because uh, B.J. Saunders never faced that level of difficulty, level of op opposition. Um and it's wrong to think of him as sort of, oh, well, he quit. Well, I mean, quit is just a word. Uh, yeah, he gave up. Uh, how do you want to say it? Um, now, did he have good reason? Yeah, I think so. I've never had a broken face. Um, you bet I would have quit in the middle of the round. <laughs> but, um, you know, from the when you square it with things he talked about, yeah. Uh, That's the problem. Yeah, I could see why, especially on Twitter, uh, you know, people are all over him. Well, when you talk shit, you know, yeah. and then you don't back it up. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. That's the bottom exactly. line. But exactly. the fight itself, um, I, I thought it was entertaining, and I thought Saunders was in the fight. Um, I did think it was close. Uh, you know, it's age-old, uh, you know, debate on, on how to score. Uh, you're scoring it for jabs. I mean, Saunders clearly... Um, was landing jabs. But Canelo showed me some stuff in this fight, Alex. Number one, his defensive skills are really uh, top-notch. I mean, that one time in the second round, I'm, I mean, I, I if I would have known, I would have taken that piece out and just saved it because there, there was a time when Saunders was very successful at landing the jab and, and creating distance and and you know had his uh, uh, his his left ready to go, and and he threw it actually a couple of times. Uh, it took him a while to start letting that hand go, but and Canelo was able to get up inside all the time. Saunders trying to land punches at him, and he's avoided. He didn't get hit once, and he worked the body, and, and and it wasn't just one body shot; it was several. Then he backed out out of harm's way, and I said to myself, "That's you know a lot harder to do than what it looked just looked like." And I don't know if many people noticed it. I, I don't know if people give him that credit. But Canelo has really become, I think, the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you could certainly make that case. Uh, it's hard to make the case for someone else um, that's better, uh, especially with this schedule he's been fighting. Um, right. And, and the urge that he has to unify uh unify a whole division um i think that would be great if he fights again in september and fights um uh caleb plant, plant. yeah i think that would be good um and it and it's 
it, it, it really he is setting a standard for the whole sport, which for uh, you know the premier fighter to be that active, it's I think that will that's going to have long term effects on the sport. I hope so. I hope so. I I, I yeah. hope you're right. I and and he's also changing that. You know, we're people, real boxing people, people that are are real boxing fans are are starting to 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 look more at Canelo and and that bitter taste of Floyd Mayweather and his running and his fighting safely and p- cherry picking opponents and fighting once a year. All of that's being kind of kicked to the curb now. Now we're we're expecting to see Canelo in September unify the title. We're expecting it. We're not we're not hoping it happens. We're expecting it, and we have faith in Canelo to do it. Something that we never had faith in in other top fighters. I mentioned Mayweather because he he was you know him and Pacquiao, uh, the, the most recent two that dominate the sport as well as much as Canelo is right now. And it was a different different mindset. You know, you know what I mean? Does it make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that has been the, the tradition, is that the, the premier fighter in the sport fights tw- twice a year. Uh, Canelo's changing that. Um, he's making it more like four times a year. Um, and he's fighting good. I mean, with the, with the ex, uh, exception of Yildirim, I mean, he's fighting quality guys. He's not cherry-picking. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you can make the argument. I mean, there's always somebody who says, oh, he's cherry-picking. Well, who else you want him to fight? Right. Like, like in the super middleweight division, he's, he's cleaning out. And I like this weight for him. I think this is his perfect weight right now. It does seem like it, and I think that was one of the things that was interesting, uh, you know, going into this into this fight was everybody kept talking about, well, he has trouble with slick southpaws. Yeah, but that was at 154 pounds. Uh, he's a hundred. He's bigger now. He's almost a whole different Canelo uh, at 168. And I think they can't. They don't. They're the speedy moving guys at 168 aren't as speedy, aren't as moving as they were at 154. And I think, if anything, he his speed is comparable to anybody um, at this point. So I do think that um, I think that was one of the reasons why we. I, I don't know. I didn't think B.J. Saunders. One more. I think I gave. Yeah, I gave him three rounds. Yeah. So, so did I. Three rounds. You know, I, I think there was a couple of cards I did see that had him up by one. Uh, I didn't see that. I, I didn't think that he, you know, was showing Canelo anything that Canelo wasn't going to figure out. To me, because that was definitely the feeling at the, in the Kovalev fight. There's there's this eerie, patient confidence about Canelo that uh, is really nice to watch because he uh, he doesn't lose his cool at all. No. If he looks around, it's like, that's okay. That was part of the plan, you know? Uh, and that's what it seemed like, is that he eased back a little, maybe to let Saunders get a little more confident. Uh, and then when he caught him, it, it really ended up being that that one uppercut seemed to have done the damage to his face because uh, it really seemed that you could see him blinking seriously right after right after it landed and as he stepped back. So it could very well be that that's what what did happen. I mean, I didn't I didn't read anything uh, confirmation that it was that is in fact a broken orbital bone, 
but it sure seemed like his reaction made it seem like that's what it was. When I saw the camera shot in the corner and the fact that his eye was not open um, at all, uh, they, they had to force it open. I'm saying, this, this fight's going to get stopped. And then when I saw him wor- mouth the words, I can't, I can't, <laughs> then I knew not only is he stopping it, but he's quitting, right? You know, but, but you know, the, the thing about that is you would have hoped. Now, we can, I, we can, we can talk about this forever. So here, here's, here's what we're all tough guys today and uh, saying, like you said earlier, you know, you would have quit in, in the middle of the round. We're all tough guys today. You know, he quit on his stool. He quit. He's a quitter, you know. But, but you say to yourself, do we have enough confidence in the ringside physicians or the referees that would notice as soon as that, let's say he got up to, to come out in the ninth round and the referee's supposed to be looking at them and they see that this guy's eye is closed shut. Um, does he call time? Does he call the ringside physician? Does the ringside physician stop the fight? Um, you know, is it really, do, do we let it go to that point? Because if that was the case, nobody would be saying he quit on his stool. But do you get, let it go to that point? Do you take other chances? You know, they're, they're, their point is, hey, Billy Joe Saunders is a young guy. His career's not over. It's his first loss. What's your thoughts? That Yeah, that's a tough one. And, and I think that, I think that's why uh, in a lot of states we have that rule that only the referee could stop the fight, that they don't want that, that decision in the hands of the doctor. Um, and, you know, I know <laughs> that does sound a lot of, kind of terrifying but um uh because you're dealing with such a potentially uh dangerous sport you know let's we don't want to take the medical profession's opinion on this no uh, but i think maybe that that sort of suggests because if you were really taking the medical opinion on it then maybe they wouldn't be fighting in the first place Seventy three thousand people Everyone that the camera, I, I'm sure they were all wearing their masks, but every time the camera put on, I didn't see any masks, you know, which I, I kind of felt good about. I got to be honest with you. I did feel good about it. And only because it, it showed that, you know, maybe Americans are finally saying, you know, bafangul to, to all of this uh, BS and that they, uh, you know, they, they want to go on with their life. And life, uh, we weren't designed to wear masks. Unless... Unless it was one of your people, you know, one of your, one of your, one of your, one of your, one of your uh, superheroes, you know. You really, you realize you're talking to. A <laughs> I know, I know. Fan. <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. I caught myself. You know. Um, no, I, I, uh, yeah, I think the thing about it with, with, in terms of the eye, is that we've certainly seen examples of fighters who, despite risk of serious injury, keep going. Now, I think that's the thing about it is those guys are the exception. But don't we expect that? Come on, man. Don't be BS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think people do. Yeah. And I think that's why there's so many people that, I mean, even the Ring Magazine is in a little bit of, I, I saw a little bit of a back and forth on uh, Twitter because they, someone, whoever was using, doing their Twitter, uh, tweeted Billy Nohart Saunders right after. And then they deleted it. And so, of course, people are all over them. How could you say something like that? And they're right. Uh, that's a judgment, you know. That's uh, censorship. 
Well, <laughs> well, and I think he's yeah, lucky the, that Twitter didn't delete his account. The fact that they deleted it, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, come on, that's, man, come on. That's it, problematic. No, nobody's saying the comment was right or wrong, and and that's the beauty of social media. You get to roast a guy, uh, uh, you know, in front of millions. But for for that third person to step in, you know, the enforcer, yeah. um, you know, the the Twitter police. Uh, the Facebook cops, you know, I mean, the ones that, you know, you don't, hey, you say something we don't want, you're done, you're out of here, we've kicked you off of social media, you do not have any, social media, you're dead to social media, you know, I mean, come on, how ridiculous, I know we're laughing, you're laughing, but the truth of the matter is, is that's what it is, that's the truth, come on, you know that. Well, and I, I think that it it is difficult because uh, there are so the nature of social media is that everyone will weigh in, even if they have no, uh, I hate this expression, but skin in the game. They no. Just, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. They whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful. I don't even, even understand just, what that just means. Just be careful with that. But it is one of those things where, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the cesspool aspect of the social media thing is that, you know, uh, you know it's like what they say about opinions. Um, they're like, uh, uh, well, I guess I can't say it, or can I say that? I don't know. I don't know. You can't, you can't say much anymore. Hey, you know, hey, this is a boxing show. We were thinking about talking about gardening next. Would you? Yeah, I mean, we have some gardening tips from Alex Papali. But no, Alex, um, back to the fight real quick. Um, punch stats. I, you know, you know how I feel about punch stats. I mean, I've mentioned it a few times. I'm not that. I'm not that keen on them. I, I don't mind them as a conversation piece, and they certainly are giving me some data to talk about right now. Um, according to to punch stats, CompuBox, if you will, um, Saunders threw 284 punches in the fight. Um, Alvarez threw 206. So forget about the fact that Saunders only landed 21%. He landed 60, and, and Alvarez's landing rate was substantially higher at 35%, and he, he landed 73 punches of his much fewer thrown. But that averages out to 35.5 punches thrown per round. Now, this fight went, if, if you divide it by eight, just for argument's sake, this fight went eight full rounds, all right? There's no way Saunders threw 35.5 punches average per round. I, I mean, th there's no way. I mean, and let's say, okay, well, that's it's the average, Billy C. You know, some rounds he threw more. Okay, did he throw 50 punches in a couple of rounds? You know, um, I don't know. You know, everybody goes by these punch stats, Alex, like it's fact. And it's basically someone sitting ringside that's recording what he feels or she feels subjectively is a punch thrown. What's your thoughts? Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess that it, I did not go back and you know audit them and see if maybe one round is off or whatever. But yeah, I I don't really have a problem with those numbers because I think that's one of the things about Canelo's style, and quite honestly, it's what I in terms of the fighters that I tend to like. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of his style. Uh, of course, I love great boxers and that's what I enjoy more is that he is the total package but I like guys who are a hell of a lot busier that's one of the things that is very very noticeable about uh, Canelo is that he doesn't waste anything 
Um, he does throw very few punches. And I think that's one of the things that um, happens when he fights someone is that he has a t- and this Mayweather did this too. Uh, he reduces their output. So 40 punches around sounds really low, but I wouldn't be surprised if those numbers are right because um, I think that's sort of this, there's this really, uh, I don't know, it's like a brutal economy of, um, of uh, Canelo's um, offense where he doesn't waste things. Um, and the, you know, if he sh- throws 12 body punches in a round and maybe 10 of them hit, those are 10 mean, hard punches. You're not talking about um, little sloughing body shots. That's the way he is, is that, um, you know, it is more quality than quantity. And, um, and he does, because he, you know, can make, can counter you so well, I think he does reduce the offense of his opponent. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I guess I'm not as suspicious of the numbers, but um, yeah, I guess we don't really know unless we check ourselves. Uh, because yeah, I guess you're you're kind of trusting that they counted them right. Well, when you watch the fight again in slow mo and record everyone, let me know how you make out. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so you know, um, Canelo's a calculating fighter. There's no question, and and I, you know, I gather that from uh, what you your comment was, and and I agree with you. He. He seemingly is in charge and knows what's going on. It seems like that with everything about Canelo, you know, his career, his team, uh, his team. You, you never hear any BS coming out. This one's, you know, got his feathers uh, upset because uh, or whatever. You never hear anything like that. And uh, uh, I, 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 I applaud that. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a guy that clearly is, is the best. Now, with that said, Round six and seven, he seemingly, I don't know, maybe he was thinking about, you know, his massage after the fight or what he was going to be doing today or whatever. But then that eighth round, it was like, you know, his alarm went off or somebody said, oh, uh, by the way, uh, you know, this is uh, Acho, Acho, round Acho, you know. Um, You know, um, and then he just came out and, and basically ended the fight. What's your yeah. thoughts on that? Uh, was it calculated? Was it coincidental? It seemed like Billy Joe Saunders was picking up momentum going into that eighth round. You know, he started landing some shots, and he seemed fluid, and, you know, he seemed like uh, uh, everything was was going according to his plan. W- was that what Canelo wanted him to think? W- what's your thoughts? I think that could be. that. That is the thing I'd like to rewatch this morning is uh, round seven and eight. Seven and eight, because I do think that transition. I think you, you brought up a very good point. I think that is, uh, and maybe it was they were almost like they they were making good on their prediction or something. They knew because they forecast exactly what they did. Um, they said that they were going to stop him in like seven, eight, nine rounds. Well, wait, if he said eight, nine, or ten, and then they it went from seven, eight, nine. And then it went, well, he said he was going to beat him somewhere between 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, 11, and 12. You know, it's like, yeah. come on, man. He said, you know, 8, 9, and 10 is what he said. Well, Canelo said, I'm, I feel I'm going to stop him in rounds 8, 9, or 10. That's what he said. It changed throughout the whole book. How much money, how much money does the zone, are they actually making any money? Because, you know, think about who was on this show. 
Roy Jones Jr. They, you know, his name, his name pops in. Well, so now we're getting Roy Jones Jr. So, you know, they got they got three or four guys in the booth. They got Maddox down wherever he's stationed. They got you know people running around. They got the the the, the girl that's always uh, you know uh, making me drool. I, I mean, they got they they have you know uh, the 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 production bill must be astronomical. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the four man uh, commentary team is um, is a lot. It, it's just it's too much, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. And yep. I think last night, I mean, we didn't even have um, we couldn't really hear uh, what was happening in the corners because we were seeing commercials every rest period until like what the last four, and that I did not understand. I was a little resentful of that because. You know, it's a pay service, and yet we're still watching commercials. I don't get that. I have um, a trick for you. I think if you watch the replay, you don't get the commercials. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't recall any commercials. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's what they do is they put them in in the live broadcast because every single um, every single rest period, they would sort of split the screen and push the uh, – you know um, the comment that what was going on here, and then in the other side of the screen, they'd show like an ad for uh, uh, Hennessy or tequila. The Ryan Garcia, te- uh, Garcia. <laughs> That's what he could have named his tequila. <laughs> um, uh, the tequila ad that he's in. You know, I know it, e- ESPN does that notoriously. Yeah, and it was through the whole night, and it just was that was annoying. Because it's like we're who is watching this that isn't already paying for it? Uh, are, are, is DAZN struggling that much that they had to sell those ads? Well, the ads. I mean, they got they got to. I mean, the, just think of Canelo's check, just his check alone. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, and then they got all the rest of the top names under uh, contract. How about, uh, the DG. I, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm like what the hell does DG stand for? And I'm like, I don't know what it was. And it wasn't until finally he got into the ring that I saw on one of the trainers, it said Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> <laughs> no, he looked like, his trunks looked like a NASCAR. He had the, he had the value.net and all that stuff on there, you know. But I wonder what he, Hennessy, right on the right on the belt line, you know. Um, but, uh Anyway, all in all, with Canelo, you know, a top-notch fighter, arguably the best fighter pound for pound in the world today, uh, has clearly set himself apart from from the rest of them uh, in terms of you know challenging himself and all of that. Um, so I thought it was a great win. Moving forward, I do see him unifying the title. Uh, no disrespect to Khalid, but I don't think Plant has a chance against Canelo. My question is, assuming that happens, what's next for him? I mean, he seems like a guy that likes to challenge himself. Does he go back to light heavyweight? Does he stay in middleweight and just destroy everyone around him? Uh, what do you think? I think he goes to light heavyweight. I think if he beats Plant, uh, which he, which I believe he will, I think he moves to light heavyweight. And I think he would fight, um, I think even... Uh, Better Biev is even though that he's a monster in terms of punching power, um, I think that uh, you know Canelo doesn't. Canelo does everything right. Um, so yeah, if you're gonna fight a guy with uh, massive punching power, I'm sure he could figure out a way to do that. 
Um, and I mean, B- better BF's old. Um, Bivol, uh, I think that's that could- the f- that's the fight. That's the fight I'd like to see, because Bivol, Bivol, he's he's a complete package when you give him a chance to be a complete package. I, I like that fight. I said it last week. Um, assuming Canelo beats uh, Plant, that's the fight I would like to see before Bidabev uh, because Bidabev, the, the thing about him is that, yes, he's got thudding power. And the one thing, even though Canelo won by, by TKO last night, I'm not so sure that knockout I mean, we saw him knock out Kovalev. Um, okay, I'll give you that, but... Uh, um, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have that one-punch knockout as he's been moving up. No, I, I agree with you. He does not. And I, I was trying to explain that to a friend. <clears throat> excuse me. I was trying to explain that to a friend yesterday is that Canelo's power, I don't think is, like, if you compared him to, like, past fighters, I don't think it's, like, he doesn't hit as hard as Marvelous Marvin Hagler. But he's an explosive puncher. He's an incredibly good counter puncher. So he's going to hit you very hard with a punch you can't see. Um, and that makes a big difference. Um, and it's going to, when he sees the opening, he takes it. Um, so that's, because that was the thing about the Kovalev thing, was how sudden it was. I mean, remember the, right, the round before the Boo Birds were out, because that fight had gotten kind of dull. And then the next round, Kovalev gets a little too close, makes a mistake, boom, it's over. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I think that's the thing about Canelo is, uh, and I love that because that's why I think I- I'm able to like look past some because I like punchers, you know, I like guys who are busy. So I because there is he, he's a remarkable finisher. Uh, I really like that about him. So I do think, yeah, it, you know, don't let him hurt you because if he hurts you, it's over. He's a pro's pro. He's yeah. a pro's pro. Um, and I and I do think that uh, he will uh, unify the super middleweight belts, and that'll be interesting to see what he does uh, from here on out. Um, that, and you know, one of the things I loved last night, and it would have been awesome to be there, is that uh, you know you got Roy Jones, you got Carl Froch, so you have these previous 168 pound kings. Uh, who've you know who've been sort of summoned to the site of where this is going to go down, and I always love that because and and I enjoyed their their take on things, um, and then the idea that Tyson Fury was there too that was just really cool. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But um, earlier in the week, uh, Thursday specifically, uh, Canelo was uh, saying that he is open for a, a third fight with Triple G. People have been clamoring for that fight. I think it's over, man. I don't. I don't think we need that fight. Um, Canelo did say it would have to be at 168. I was pissed at Canelo for a while during the first two fights because of all the shenanigans went on, and you know he never gave Triple G the third fight when he should have, and Triple G was old then. Uh, he's about. He's going to be 40 soon. Um, and uh, I don't. I think there there are two fighters that went in different directions. Triple G has not been busy. Canelo has. Canelo got bigger. Triple D didn't. You know, um, to move up to one sixty eight, I see a a slower, older version of Triple G that's going to get knocked out. What's your thoughts? I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I think the time has passed. As much as um, 
I do, I did, and I still would like to see that fight at 168. I think um, even well, at 160, even at 160, if Canelo uh, tortured himself and got down to 160, and you know Canelo, he would have some kind of okay. It's at 162.5. You know, um, he would be a monster fight night. Yeah. Uh, Triple G is not, you know, I, I got so sick of people saying how big he was because he wasn't. He wasn't a big middleweight. Iran Barkley was a big middleweight. Uh, that, was, that was a monster middleweight, you know. Um, uh, Triple G wasn't, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate because uh, I think if there was any questions remaining about Canelo, that was where they were, uh, was, well, what happens if these guys fight a third time? I think if they fought a third time now, we kind of know. Uh, even though I, I think if you go back to even last week's show, I think I was like, oh, I want to see him fight Triple G. I know, I know you were. But, <laughs> but, what, but what I'm saying now is that the fact that they didn't would be more conversation piece and better for the sport than if they do. They already didn't. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, if if we had this fight, if we had the third fight two or three years ago, I'm okay with that, regardless of what the outcome would have been. But now, two years later, three years later, um, I think it has been three years, hasn't it? It's been almost three years. Um, oh, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, Maybe. so, I mean, you look at that now, um, I, I don't see it being a challenge. I see Triple G getting a payday. I see uh, Canelo saying, saying, I told you so, and everybody saying, yeah, well, you know, yeah, Triple G's washed up, has been. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's nothing, nothing good can happen out of a fight with Canelo for Triple G except the payday. Nothing right. good. Nothing good can happen out of it. Speaking yeah, of... Yeah, I, I have a feeling that if we saw it again, I think Canelo might even stop him. Definitely. At 168, I think he would, especially when you consider Golovkin's age and just the fact that... Um, uh, it would be brutal um, because, you know, they, these guys have done all their feeling out already in the first two fights, so they know each other. Um, conditioning, you know, I, conditioning. I, I see every, every, every... Canelo, Canelo's got all, all, everything in his favor. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, and it is, it's, uh, you know, it's weird because some fights do have sort of a season when they... When they should happen, and then that season's passed, yep. and sometimes they make the fight anyway. Uh, a lot of times they make the fight anyway, especially if the money is available. But um, you know, if the season's closed, uh, you're not going to see what you kind of hope to see. And you know, just uh, I, I think I had told you about uh, you know my brother's um, my brother's uh, youngest son, Primo, the a uh, hundred pound uh, old English lab. Uh, well, there was um, there was Oakley, uh, who was the toughest chocolate lab in the dog park. Who a couple of months ago, he would you know he would really dominate Primo. Well, now Primo is like Canelo because when Primo's in the dog park, Oakley does not come in the dog park. So that's the thing. It's like their their matchup has passed. Well, <laughs> when, I. I, I think Primo I think Primo should leave the lab dog park and go next door to the Rottweiler park and see how good he does. That's all I'm saying. 
the PBC runs a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the PBC. Oh, that was good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they will only. <laughs> that's right. The Labradors can't go. And that's uh, you're, that's good point. Good point. But uh, Tyson Fury was ringside, and uh, I, I tell you, you know, I, I you know, I want to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua so bad. You know, I mean, the sport needs that fight. And all of the stuff that I had heard, it was actually the first time I saw uh, Tyson Fury, um, you know, since since he's been on top of the world, basically. I haven't seen him in, in months. And, um, you know, rumor, oh, he's drinking beer. Oh, he's fed up. Oh, he's not going to fight. Oh, he's this, he's that. He looked in better shape last night ringside than, than I've, I can recall ever seeing him not in training. I mean, he looked slim. He looked thinner last night than he's ever looked. I know he was wearing a, a funky outfit as usual, but uh, but he didn't look overweight at all. What's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, he looked great, and, I mean, he was working the rum. I love that shirt he was wearing. Um, <laughs> I loved his, his, the girl that was with him. I was wondering about that. Because, it wasn't his wife. <laughs> uh, was she with him because he I was married? I thought so, but yeah. maybe she wasn't with him. But she. Yeah, got, I wonder. You know, uh, I. You know, we were wondering. I'm sure when if his wife saw that <laughs> video, she was wondering. Yeah. Who yeah. the hell is sitting next to you? I know. Well, it. You know, all of their wives could have said that because every single shot of the boxing people that were in the audience, there was always that person sitting next to them. You know. Uh, uh, you know. And uh, anyway. Well, it is Vegas. Oh, no, it, it wasn't Vegas. It's no, Texas. It's Texas. Right? Where else could you have 73,000 live fans? What other state besides Texas, you know? With with wanton disregard for their grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But uh, anyway, in a much uh, more serious uh, topic, um, the grand jury indicted uh, Felix Verdejo, um, uh, you know, in, in the, the killing of of uh, Keisha, uh, Keisha Rodriguez, and I know I'm pronouncing her first name wrong. Um, have you heard some of the stories? I mean, horrific, uh, yeah. you know, what this guy did. Um, you know, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, he, you felt the defense of uh, boxing ruined my brain uh, defense from from his team. Um, you think he's going to be able to, to use that? I mean, this was pretty... Yeah. Yeah, this... yeah, I when I was saying that I was just sort of grasping because I didn't know all the details. Uh, yeah, I don't think that that is has anything to do with what happened here. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's absolutely diabolical when you read the details. Um, and I wonder who it is that's the cooperating witness. I wonder if that's his wife. I heard uh, I heard I heard that it was. Wow. Because the details they have are so uh, um, so elaborate that you think it must have been somebody who was helping him. Um, yeah, it's just awful. Someone um, that wanted that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame. Uh, it's that... just very sad. You know, that's the thing about our sport is that um, peop there there is this stereotype that think well, all boxers are brutal criminal people. Uh, as you know, Bill, I mean, there's uh, some of the people are the most gentle people I've ever met in this sport. It's it's weird. Um, that's not true, of course, for all of them. 
because boxers, like any other profession, are made up of all kinds of people. Um, some of them are criminal, uh, or at least do criminal things. And uh, this is horrible, um, what, is, uh, what is alleged here. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I'm an anti, anti-death penalty guy, so of course I don't, I believe that for everybody. But, um, uh, you know, I, and I'm not sure if Puerto Rico has the death penalty. They do. And they do. Um, Rodriguez's own father had said he, he doesn't want to push for the death penalty. His thought process was that he would rather have, um, you know, uh, him think about uh, his the death of his daughter, you know, Verdejo think about the death, uh, killing his, you know, the father's daughter for the rest of his life behind bars. I mean, he thought that that would have more of an impact than, you know, just uh, terminating his life. But the truth of the matter is, is that I believe that this case, as horrific as it is, um, is going to become one of these. Um, st- model cases for Puerto Rico because there's been a lot of uh, outcry for uh, abuse against women. Um, yeah. Similar situations. There was one recently where a guy killed the, the, the woman, lit her on fire. I mean, it was just terrible. And, you know, he basically gets a slap on the wrist, you know. Um, so there is a lot of movement. And I think that this case, because of who's involved in it, is going to be one of those model cases and, you know, when somebody's trying to make a statement, specifically a, uh, a legal system, uh, it doesn't fare well for any kind of a defense in this one. Plus, like you said, I mean, the, the details of this were, were sinister. And, um, oh, yeah. I mean, how can you prove that it wasn't thought out? I mean, every step of the way is just making it worse and worse to, to oh, ensure yeah. that nobody was going to survive this, you know. But uh, terrible. Oh. It's one of those things that I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a Dateline, uh, Dateline episode on it or something, or the 2020. You know, every Friday night they have those. Um, both of those shows have the, you know, they get involved in like some, you know, atrocious case that can you believe it? Yeah. Uh, and I think this is uh, it's it's tailor made for that because um, of just just the levels of horror. Um, and yeah, I think you're right that that femicide, uh, is yeah, a big issue in Puerto Rico. So it, um, it definitely, uh, we haven't heard the last of this case. Um, so I don't know. It's just awful. Um, well, it makes you say what kind of person, I mean, my biggest mistake in, and even just trying to keep up on this case was seeing a photo of, of the woman who was killed. And I, I look at her and she looked, you know, I think she was 27 or something like that. But she looked like such a, a young girl to me and she was so pretty. And you say to yourself, oh, she had her whole life in front of her and this guy snuffs her out. It's yeah. bad for boxing. Um, it was the whole situation. I mean, look at all of the people that is going to their lives are going to be ruined over this. Not just hers, you know, her families, his families, you know, the kids involved because uh, he's got other kids. with. I mean, it's just. Such a domino effect, and it's it's a shame. Depressing. I wish uh, we, I wish we didn't have to go through uh, uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, in any event, uh, well, like we said, Florida, you can smoke a joint and then go fight the next day. So uh, things are changing. 
It's. Uh, I, I wonder if they named it uh, the Julio Chavez Jr. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. rule, um, because I'll never forget that poor guy is the one who got that massive fine for smoking a joint. I know. Well, he. I, rumor has it he's already packed and moving to Florida. So, uh, um, you know, um, he's packed his, uh, his pink briefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, no, don't don't you know his next fight? This is the one he's serious about. <laughs> you know how he always says, "No, no, I'm serious about this fight. I'm serious about right, that." Right, right. But yeah, um, I thought isn't he fighting in MMA or something? I thought he does have a fight lined he's up. He's got a fight coming up. Uh, I saw it on the schedule. I, I don't know, but the schedule's kind of light over these next couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll have to decide uh, uh, what we're going to do about a show if we do any topics or anything. Uh, he's fighting uh, a pay per view. Yeah, I guess it is against Anderson Silva. Oh, wow. Uh, but but I, I thought it was boxing. I think Silva's going into boxing. But you got uh, in June, you got Shakur Stevenson's fighting uh, Oscar Rivas and Bryant Jennings. Ooh, that's a nail-biter. Um, you know, at the end of May, you got uh, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. That That's an interesting fight. Um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what's up. But, uh, Alex, I appreciate you joining us and uh, your insight. And uh, we'll look forward to you next time, my man. All right, Billy C. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right, brother. That's my main man, Alex Papali, giving us his thoughts on, on a bunch of stuff. But uh, he agrees. Canelo's the man. I think he agrees. I don't know. But uh, in any event, I got some emails uh, to read. Um, his first one is from uh, my man, Jim. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., I know you don't like the term Rob, but Soto was still throwing punches I'd always understood if a boxer was still throwing punches, he still defended himself. A ref wouldn't stop the fight. Granted, Takayama was way ahead on the scorecards, but I've seen guys come back from greater deficits. That uh, That's what rounds 10 through 12, used to be 10 through 15, are all about what's your thoughts. Well, I, I think you're reversing the guys. Um, Taka, um, Soto won the fight. Uh, they stopped the fight on Takayama. Um the, the the thing he's talking about the Soto Takayama fight, um, so so he wasn't throwing punches back. He was still on his feet. He did demonstrate, you know, he did a little uh, shadow box and stuff. But but remember two things. Um, well, the one important thing in this particular fight was the referee Lawrence Cole has to be one of the worst referees ever. Now I don't know how many people under, know this or not, but Lawrence Cole is actually the guy who owns the insurance company that puts combat sports insurance. He's the one that, that writes those um, uh, policies for boxing events and stuff like that. There's only like three in the whole country. He's one of them. Um, so in case you're wondering why he keeps getting these gigs, uh, maybe that has something to do with it. But in this particular case, as bad as Lawrence Cole generally is, um, you know, at that time, Yakina, Yak, Takayama was not throwing back any punches. Um, you know, if you are not defending yourself, whether you're staggering around, being hurt or whatever, it is the referee's job to stop the fight or at least warn you. He could have warned Takayama and say, hey, listen, if you don't show me something, I'm stopping this fight. Um, you know, it did seem like Soto was in control. He did slow down for those couple of rounds, um, but... He was in control, and he was landing the harder punches. And just for the record, Jim, robbed, when when I say I don't like robbed, I'm talking about when 
you hear fans talk about, oh, so-and-so was robbed when the fight, when the scores were like 115-113. That's not a robbery. A robbery is when, you know, a fight is, uh, you know, uh, they gave every round to, to the other fighter. Or 115-113, the only way I would call that a robbery is if the fighter lost and he was the one that was kicking the shit out of the other one for the whole fight, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like when people throw around the word robbed. But in this particular case, um, your thought that the fight shouldn't have been stopped was a robbery in, in a way. Um, I thought that uh, Takayama was, was done. I didn't think that anything was going to change in that fight. Um, granted that he was as old as he is, pushing 40. I think he's 37, 38. Um, and uh, Soto uh, is not 30. He's 27, I think. So um, in this case, I, I thought it was a good decision. Um, this next one's from Patty. Uh, she says, hey, Billy C., I'm so thrilled your show is back. I enjoy the show and learn so much from all of you. As a matter of fact, I'm re-listening to uh, your last show. I'm, done, I'm with you on these titles. As a boxing fan trying to catch up with the current, and she puts in parentheses, last 10 years in boxing, I'm absolutely confused by all the belts. After listening to your show, I'm once again struck by how many the com how men how the commentators of the fights I've watched seem to throw out a lot of fluff. I realize it's fast paced and they can only say so much, but it seems to lack the passion. I hear from you, Dax and Alex, not to be uh, overcritical. It just seems to me that every fight I've watched, they say the same things over and over. I love boxing and hope the promoters will step up and bring the sport the attention it truly deserves. Thank you all for helping me learn the sweet science. Um, she, uh, I appreciate that. She also says she wants to order my book, which I've given her directions. So I'm not seeing a chat room on YouTube. Um, we don't have a chat room on YouTube. Um, we are uploading YouTube show. There was some streaming issues um, and the software that we use. So, uh, no, the chat room is uh, on our Facebook live feed. Um, you know, last night was a great example, Patty, because, um, you know, these commentators were trying to, uh, paint a picture of something that wasn't really taking place in front of them. Um, if it were for radio, I would want the blow by blow descriptions and I'd want them to paint that picture so I can imagine what was taking place and listening to their interpretation of what was taking place. But the problem that we face today with a lot of these over-announcing announcers is the fact that we're watching what they're watching. And what, what ends up happening, if you're not making your own decision, if you think a punch landed and you hear a commentator say it didn't or vice versa, and you start to question your own knowledge or your, what you're seeing, uh, you know, it, it, it tends to sway you. And I think that that's what's taking place. You know, the house fighters always getting the accolades. Um, the the uh, visiting fighter, so to speak, uh, never gets it. Uh, the, the scorekeeping, sometimes I scratch my head on. Um, no, they should, they should call the fight what's happening in front of them. That's it. Um, it's more entertaining than them creating. So I, I'm with you there, Patty. Um, 
Here's one from Alex. Uh, Alex T says, uh, hey, Billy, see, I, had a, I, re I read a recent comment where someone mentioned that right now is the worst era ever in professional boxing. I shrugged it off, but it stuck with me. I thought about it for a while. The reasoning behind the initial comment was, the f was that the best fighters don't fight each other in today's boxing. I can't disagree. It's true. And then I thought about a YouTube star pulling in over a million pay-per-view buys while at the same time Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence have no intention of ever facing each other. I'm not so, so sure this comment is too far off, but to be honest, the more I think about it, and he asked me for my thoughts. Um, you know, thanks for the email, Alex. You know, it's a tough question, and I'll tell you why. Why? <laughs> no, i tell you why it's a tough question. Because the truth of the matter is, is that what makes errors great, of course, you have to start off with talent in the field, right? You have to start off with the talented fighters. But what makes talented fighters show their talent is when they have the correct dance partners to fight with. And if the dance partners aren't there, you can't blame a fighter for ducking anyone or him fighting in a uh, bad uh, era, et cetera, et cetera. But when the talent is there and they don't fight each other, that becomes a, a topic of conversation. So to answer your question, Alex, is it the worst era in boxing? The fact that the fighters don't fight each other or it takes so long for them to fight each other would suggest that it possibly could be or, or, or changing the sport. Um, you know, just to say, it used to, it used to burn my ass when, when people used to tell me um, that Mayweather was so great. And I always would say, well, who did he fight? You know, like, like why doesn't he challenge him? Why does he pick the weakest fighter? You know, the Carlos Baldomirs to win the, the welterweight title. You know, why is it always the easiest path? Well, you know, the honest answer is, well, if people are willing to pay him, and he can take that path, well, more power to Floyd, right? I mean, that's the truth. But to assume, I've had Mayweather fans tell me, well, he doesn't need to fight so-and-so because we all know he can beat him. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's not facing the best people. You can't make a statement like that because the sport of boxing is so subjective. You can't say, oh, well, why should so-and-so fight so-and-so? We know he could beat him. No, we don't know. That's why they fight. And if you have two talented fighters in the same division and they're both in good shape, they both have, uh, you know, the skill set you see and they're fighting and looking great against the opposition, there's no reason they shouldn't fight. That's the reason they're in this sport. And if the sport's reason for functioning is changing that much, well, I don't know if it's going to survive. The YouTubers and uh, fighting, you know, this whole Floyd Mayweather thing, did, you know, okay. I wasn't going to mention it, but I, I watched the, the, the ruckus, right, the press conference. You know, I, I mean, what, what are they doing? They're trying to, to sell this fight. I, I, I ask anyone that's watching this show or listening to it not to buy it. Don't support the fight. It's not going to be a fight. This guy doesn't have a chance against Floyd, even a 100-year-old Floyd. Floyd's going to dance around and win. It's an exhibition. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's taking your money. It's stealing your fucking money. That's the truth, all right? And with that said, with the people watching it, they want a sideshow. They're mocking the sport of boxing. They're mocking it, you know? 
but I did happen to watch the, the ruckus. And I laughed my ass off. Why? Because they made a big deal about it. Big fight. Oh, they started fighting. Oh, it's for real. Oh, they, they hate each other, this and that. Did you see it? You know, they're sitting there and, and, and Floyd's acting like, yeah, oh, yeah, bring it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, doing everything he's supposed to do. And, you know, Paul is doing the same thing. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then he grabs his hat. And what do you hear him say? I got your hat. I got your hat. I got your hat. I got your hat. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God. If anybody was thinking about watching this before, I hope that this isn't making them say, oh, yeah, I got to buy that. Oh, he took his hat. He took his hat. You know, then he pranced around like a girl, you know, bragging. I got your hat. I got your hat. I got your hat. Watch it again if you haven't. What a joke. Anyway, last email. This one's from my man Rick. He says, hey, Billy C. Been catching up on all your old shows, and I wanted to email you about the recent phenomena you can't stand of internet celebrities. Okay, so everybody's talking to me about that today. Um, internet celebrities fight, fighting each other on major cards. I know how much these match, matches piss you off, but personally, I don't mind them and even get a kick out of them on some level. I hate to say it, but if these fights are generating more interest uh, than the real fights, uh, that's not the YouTubers or TikTokers' fault. Hey, before I read uh, on, I, I agree with that. And don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not knocking these guys for, for making the money and, and, you know, getting the recognition. And, and the fact is they have the followers, you know, so that's good. No, 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 I, I agree so far with this email. And it's not that they piss me off. Because if, you know, you want to see, uh, you know, two, two people fight that don't know how to fight and, and that's an interest to you, and it's generating interest. That's cool. I'm okay with it. My hang-up isn't that part. My hang-up is that they're billing it as a boxing match. And you're getting people that are coming over saying, oh, I'm a boxing fan because I watched, uh, you know, this this YouTuber fight uh, uh, a TikToker. And, and, you know, it was great. You know, no, no, that's like... That's like those, remember the beer, what did they call it? Uh, a tough man contest? That's, that's what that's more like. You know, it's not boxing. Tough man wasn't boxing. You know, this isn't boxing, what, what you're seeing. And, and the fact that it's being billed as boxing is what, what eats me up. Anyway, he says, if you ask me, this is what you get when you're constantly seeking out the casual or crossover fans, which boxing has been doing for some time, along with other major sports, which I've also stopped. Uh, following to a large degree you and me both brother um he says i know in the past you've praised fighter who's can draw in these types of fans but i've never agreed with this or seen the importance of casual fans besides the quick pay-per-view or ticket sales casuals do not uh, i think this is really alex uh, papali writing me because he's uh, uh totally against that but no it's my man rick miami dolphin fan uh, must be happy his team's looking good Anyway, he says casuals don't get interested in a sport. They bring the lowest common denominator, and they never bother to learn anything about the history of the game. And yet boxing has no problem forgetting about their lifelong, uh, taken-for-granted fans if it means getting a few more of these new Fairweather fans on board for a pay-per-view or two. This is one of the main reasons it took me so long to come around to Manny Pacquiao, who I've come to admire and appreciate since coming back from his uh, KO loss to Marquez. But for the longest time, Pacquiao was being marketed as that guy who would bring in that casual fan. I stopped. Uh, I even stopped reading Ring Magazine around that time because it became obvious they were looking for more of these types of readers than someone who had been following the sport for over 30 years. 
I can't tell you how many arguments I would get into at work with these types of guys who always had the strongest and loudest opinions in the Floyd uh, Pacquiao debate, yet they couldn't uh, even name three opponents of their records and were just repeating talking points they would hear on other shows. Now we are at the point where more people will pay to see two internet celebrities with no boxing experience fight each other than they would like to see a major title unification. Like I said, I don't have a problem with it. If casual fans are, are so great and so valuable, then they must know something we don't. Hopefully, we're in store for some great fights. Aside from that, my bold boxing prediction this week is Canelo will beat Sanders as he has his last five opponents. All these guys are starting to look the same. You're 100% right about that, Rick. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think the initial intent with the casual, the so-called casual boxing fan is to bring them over to turn them into full-time boxing fans. You know, I've, I've been saying on this show for a long time, and we've had so many, you know, there's been a couple of shows that stick out in my mind, and I would love to, to replay them, and, and uh, I just don't, I can't remember when they were, you know, and I never did, kept track. They're all, we have them all out there on, on in our podcast library and also on YouTube and stuff. I just don't remember the dates and to search it, especially specific guests and stuff, but... Um, Anyway, the casual boxing fans I've been saying for a long time, what we hoped for was that they would turn into um, diehard fans. Boxing is the only sport that, um, you know, uh, doesn't get them. Uh, in other words, the generation of diehard boxing fans is, is starting to die off. You know, other sports like football and baseball, uh, basketball, um, hockey, of course. I'm not going to leave out hockey, I guess. Um you know, kids are born into a family where uh, they're, a, they're a, a sports fan. And, and the kid is born, and guess what? Dad says, you're this fan, or, or mom says, you're that fan. And, and then that kid becomes a fan, and it's generational. Well, boxing used to be like that, too, until the sport kind of changed, and a lot of people lost interest in it. And then, you know, people started thinking it was dangerous and this and that. And, and you know, the diehard fan is far and few in between. And Rick is 100% correct. We have a lot of fans out there that call themselves boxing fans that doesn't, they don't know a thing about the historical aspects of boxing. Or better yet, you listen to an argument of people saying a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson, who in my opinion was the best pound-for-pound pound fighter of all time, and they say he couldn't beat a, a, this one or that one, and he's not that good. He's got losses. You know, the, the promoters and, and media has created a boxing fan that thinks that an O means you're good. Um, nobody's looking at the opponents and the opponent levels. Uh, it's become a big business, which it always was. Um, but now uh, the fighters, it's what they think about, cashing out, which on one hand, you can't blame them. On the other hand, if you're a diehard sports, uh, or let me rephrase that, if you're a diehard boxing fan, it pisses you off when you don't see the unifications, where you don't see a Terrence Crawford fighting an Errol Spence. You see Errol Spence at the fights, punch, you know, pounding his chest, showing you he's number one. But who does he fight? You know, does he find the weakest, youngest, or oldest fighter, an inexperienced or an over-the-hill fighter? Um, that's why Canelo uh, has risen on the top of my list because he has challenged himself. At the end of the day, I've made this statement many, many times. At the end of the day, in the all-time great list of fighters, Manny Pacquiao will finish ahead of Floyd Mayweather. He will on mine, and he will on most, 
and despite losing to Mayweather, the reason's going to be simple because he challenged himself more. He was in more fights. He lost some fights and avenged those losses, you know, when he got the chance, when he got the chance to, to avenge the loss. Um, that goes down in this sport as being very valuable. Uh, you know, Canelo is showing us that he's an, an all-time great right before our eyes. H how many other fighters do you know that are basically in the prime of their life with 60 pro fights under their belt? Uh, Canelo's got 60 pro fights under his belt, and he's 30. Um, I don't see his career ending anytime soon. I've never seen him hurt. I've never seen, I've seen him cut once, I think. He's, I've never seen him down. Um, he's never been beaten up. Uh, until somebody opens up a can on him, um, he's not going anywhere. But I'll tell you who is. We are. I appreciate you joining uh, this show. I meant for today. Okay, so relax. Don't send me the emails. I appreciate you joining us for today's show. And uh, not sure if we're going to be doing one next week might be a good opportunity for you to catch up on some of the old shows and um if you ever if anybody can ever find the show uh where we had a caller from san francisco named serge i think it was sergio uh give me drop me an email let me know what show it is i, I there's some bits off that uh show i want to pull and i forgot which one it was i forgot how many years ago it was i i think I, this is our 18th year by the way in case you guys lost count, so 18 years we've been doing this show. Um, yeah, we had a little hiatus, but uh, we've never not done a show uh, in 18 consecutive years. And of those 18 consecutive years, uh, a majority of them were daily. So uh, I'm proud of that. Um, and we're keeping going for that handful of diehard fans that are still out there. And anybody that's young or maybe stumbled across this show and listened to it first time, give us a chance. We're not the same as some of these other podcasts or shows that you watch or listen to. But I will tell you this, you will learn something. Hey, make sure you tune in next time. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.